0: You are now listening to a Fit Plus Love production.
1: The biggest way to build wealth in this world is health. I absolutely believe that. That's what I that's why I do what I do. It's why I wake up every day. I I spent my life, a good chunk of my life in philanthropy and actually helping nonprofits and and things like that. And when I came back to the dark side in in 2013, you know, I wanted to do meaningful things. So I've worked on very, very meaningful projects, including starting January from 2016 on, you know, I had the ideas of doing something for health and helping people. I think the best way to help people is find ways of helping people to get to know themselves. And I think that to encourage people to get on to their own health journey, to encourage them to like, getting communication with their own body, starting to listen to their body, experiment with their body, use tools that don't have to be very expensive. The, the idea is to to know that no one is going to make you healthy except you.
0: That was Nushin Hashemi. This is Marni Salam. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative, Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the podcast, I'm syncing up with veteran business executive and entrepreneur Nusheen Hashemi, founder and CEO of January AI, the first precision health company that combines continuous glucose monitoring, heart rate, sleep, activity, and food tracking with powerful and predictive AI and a robust food database that unpacks the full metabolic scope of your food including glycemic index glycemic load and fiber content this unique combination provides unprecedented visibility into your body's unique metabolism empowering you with the tools to make the best choices for your metabolic health January AI's artificial intelligence is augmenting your intelligence and increasing your nutritional IQ. Nusheen and I sync up to talk about where the idea for January AI began, how she met her co-founder, Dr. Michael Snyder, who is the director of genomics and personalized medicine at Stanford, and how the app, CGM, and AI all work. We talk about multiomics, which if you aren't familiar, is a new approach where the data sets of different omics groups are combined during analysis. So the different omics strategies employed during multi-omics are genome, proteome, transcriptome, epigenome, and microbiome. Nushim also dials us into the global metabolic health crisis and how January AI is on a mission to help and change this. Of course, I get the inside scoop on Nushim's health and fitness go-tos that fuel her for success. I tried January AI and the insight and data are incredible and eye-opening. Different from other CGMs, you only wear it for 14 days. Then January's powerful AI takes over and you activate your virtual CGM curve and CGP, which is a continuous glucose prediction. You are essentially creating a dynamic and precise digital twin. Pretty cool, right? In addition to January AI's app and CGM, January AI also offers a metabolic health solution, Eatings, which is terrific. I've also been using this for at least a month. It's a three to one symbiotic blend of prebiotics, polyphenols, and probiotics. Supercharged with 11.2 grams of dietary fiber with a precise ratio of soluble and insoluble fibers. Marnie on the move listeners get 30% off. Use our code Marnie 30 at edens.january.ai. Now on to my conversation with Nushin. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited to have you on here. Thank you for having me. So tell me what inspired you to create January AI and tell me a little bit about what this product is. Yes,
1: it was my obsession with prevention. My, my uh, parents had experienced some very unlucky outcomes in the in the regular medical world. My mother was uh, diagnosed with uh, asthma, where she had heart disease, and that almost killed her because we didn't understand that uh, she needs to be on a very, 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 very strict diet. She should have no salt, no no more than two two grams of salt a day. And my father um, had had colon cancer and had been under the care of uh, an oncology department at one of the finest institutions in the country for eight years when he found out he has stage four prostate cancer. And I was in the room with him and and I asked, well, he's been coming here for eight years. Every every 90 days he takes tests and you've been monitoring him, monitoring him based on his previous cancer did you not find prostate cancer? And they said, "Oh, we don't we don't test people for pr- prostate cancer before they're 80. And after 80, almost everybody's got it." I was so unsatisfied with this answer. It was I thought, you know, my father had changed his life entirely. He was a raw vegetarian for the last 25 years. That's probably why he hadn't died from colon cancer. And he had, uh, you know, had he had he kept his previous. Diet, he put probably would have died. So he had beaten one cancer. There was no reason why he he would have, you know, he needed to have another cancer uh, when he was taking such good care of himself and he was under the care of the best doctor. So I was very interested in like, why, why are we so why are so many people going to the hospital and getting sick? Why are so many people misdiagnosed? Why are so many people not screened? So I was looking for answers around prevention. And knowing that I was probably carrying a bunch of these risks, you know, as the child of these two people, and I came across multiomics, the idea of multiomics. I learned about multiomics way before I learned about Mike Snyder. You no, know, I know the two are inseparable, but but I first came across actually Eric Topol's uh, picture of multiomics, if you if you remember that famous um, famous slide, and it made instant sense to me. This idea that you could not be defined by just your A1C or cholesterol, that it was so much more to know about one's health and that every every kind of omic provided its own insights. And I was familiar with, of course, genetics, and I'd taken a 23andMe test and my whole family had. Uh, some of my family members had taken full genome tests. So I was pretty familiar with that, but I was fast becoming obsessed with the microbiome um, and... I was really interested in uh, the other omics, specifically, you know, I was learning more about wearables. And then, of course, I met Mike Snyder because of my pursuit of multi-omics. And uh, it was a really real dream come true because he had already been conducting uh, a four-year multi study, the IPOP study at Stanford, where he was monitoring 108 people for four years at a time. It's nine years now. And he had been watching their progression from healthy, the ones that got sick, to disease and what that that involved. He also has type 2 diabetes, and he also is obsessed with wearables and how wearables can inform us about our health. He also had observed that people with perfectly healthy A1Cs had big spikes in their blood sugar as they aged. And this was really interesting. So he's the one who really pushed me. So basically I met him to talk to him about multiomics and perhaps supporting his work. And immediately we were supposed to meet for 45 minutes. It became an hour and a half. And then the second meeting we had, he said, I want you to be my co-founder. I believe we can do something for for people for metabolic health. And there are 88 million people who have prediabetes. Most of them don't know it. Of course, that number five years later is 96 million people. That number has grown that much uh, just in five years. And so that's how our journey began. I was interested in profession. I was interested in multiomics. He has type 2 diabetes. He believed in the power of wearables. I was also interested in AI. I think that was my bent as I was doing my research. I was learning what machine learning can do for health and how it can fill in missing variables and how how little medical research we still do how little of human health we still understand right and the importance of everyone participating everyone measuring everyone contributing to research so I was I was obsessed with all of these things and so what happened is I I went to this conference where they were talking about societal impact of of machine learning there was a there was a session on health Mm-hmm. There they encouraged us to go to this next conference that was available in two weeks. There I met Larry Smarr. Um, Before I met Mike Snyder who has measured everything about himself for a decade or more. I met Larry Smarr, who measures everything about himself, awesome. his microbiome. Yeah. He's at UC San Diego also. So I first met him and he was like, yes, I diagnosed this before everybody else. And I figured this out before everyone else. And I figured this out and my doctor didn't notice. And so I first met him and I was like, it was like, love at first sight. It was like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. And then I met Mike Snyder shortly after. And I was like, wait, there's a world in which people are tracking themselves and then figuring things out long before their doctors do. And it seemed like a great answer to my prevention quest.
0: And when was that around?
1: It was 2017. I met Larry Sparr in 2016. So it was August of 2016 that I fell onto. Summer of 2016 is where I fell onto essentially machine learning and uh, healthcare, um, and I went to this conference that 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 w- was offered in Southern California. It happens every year, um, so I, I went there and I never looked back. And shortly after, I met Mike Snyder, and then and yeah, so Mike's like, "Yeah, let's start a company." I said, "Well, Mike, I before I met you, I already started this company named January, and I love the name. Can yeah, we just stick I love with his name?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My 16-year-old at the time came up with the name because it was about new beginnings and yeah. it was about resolutions and new beginnings and you know Jan it January is based on the god Janus the two do you know the uh, the Greek god with the two faces no, one face right. Yeah. Yeah, so Janus has one face forward and one face back. So we think of the face back as the cards you've been dealt yeah. your genetics the way you grew up, the food you've been fed as a child, all your favorites, things that are your sort of, uh, preconditions and kind of what you're predisposed to. And then we think of, of the face forward as you, a person of reason deciding how you want to live the rest of your life. Um, and there's this also this element of time. So if you look at our mark, January with uh, those little two lines are corner of a calendar. So the idea is that you have some time in front of you and you have some cards you've been dealt. So what will you do in the time that is in front of you? What decisions will you make? And how can you make these decisions with as much insight and as much awareness and as much agency as you can that's that's what is missing is agency people feel like okay i'll just go ask the doctor and of course doctors are very well-meaning and they are really trying to help you but of course they're not never trained on nutrition they are not trained to spend time with you to work on prevention they're the the incentives are not set up that way and they're
0: just like they have 20 minutes And everything has to be, like, on your health insurance, and they only do what they're told. And unfortunately, like, they are good in emergency situations, but but I don't think that they have the uh, mindset. I'm sure they have the skills, but they're just not mentally in that space where they're preventative. They're more about treating what's in front of them and doing their due diligence. I, I find that very frustrating,
1: yeah, I think there's this notion. I mean, certainly they don't have time, that's right. for sure. The way things are set up, they don't really have time. But there's also this notion that people can't keep too many things in their head. I think there's some of it I find, I'm afraid, very negative. Yeah. Um, I, can't, I don't have any other way. Of, it's very de- defeating. It's kind of like people won't change. People can't keep too many things in their heads. Yeah. So, I'm not gonna tell them to lower their cholesterol and their A1C. I'm just gonna tell them the one that's worse. And once yeah. they make progress on that, I'll tell them the next thing. Yeah. And there's also these kind of very generic um solutions, you know, just go drop 25 pounds and go, you know. So there's very little faith. I think in in the patient being able to make changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet we are given these really large goals that are overwhelming and um, insurmountable. If yeah. people do lose twenty five pounds, they probably gain it back fairly soon.
0: Yeah, it's so not so easy. Like it's you know I think that people need a little bit more help than just being right. Like that's what we're saying. It's like we can tell you all the things in the world, but we need to show you how like give you small incremental steps to get there exactly yeah
1: exactly and one and one you know one size fits no one you know that's that's the problem it's you know you may spike on chardonnay I may not spike on chardonnay or you may spike on one glass of chardonnay I may not spike on three glasses of chardonnay I've seen this all over in the last five six years that I've been studying this since um, 2017 I've seen people I've had put lots of people on CGMs and I've seen lots of different results for the same foods, for the same, you know, level of activity. Um, it's just not, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're really trivializing um, when we just tell someone, just go lose 25 pounds. Right.
0: It so just... How does January AI work and what is it exactly?
1: So January AI is a, is a company that has two products. One is an app, and one is a supplement. Uh, the app uh, pulls, so they're created, co created for t- total cardiometabolic health and, yeah. and immunity. The app uh, pulls data from uh, continuous glucose monitors and heart rate monitors, such as Apple Watch or Fitbit, um, soon Aura. It can also get Garmin or Whoop from the Apple Health yeah. um, Kit. And it combines those two wearable data streams with um, four days of food logging. So with, with self-reported food logs um, to train a biological model of a person to essentially create a digital twin of okay. you. And then uh, once that's created, we're able to tell you um, how that twin or you may react to any food in our 32 million strong food atlas without you having to eat that food.
0: Right, To find a great database of food information, yeah.
1: Yes, so if you have eaten, you know, food A, B, C over the four days of training, but now you wanna eat food X, Y, Z, you don't have to eat the same foods for us to know how you're going to react to them. You can eat completely different foods Um, for us to know how you're going to react to them. That's the power of AI.
0: That's amazing. And that takes years of research. And I mean, talk to me a little bit about AI because this is a very unique- Oh my God, years of research. Yeah, there's this very unique part of January AI and what you do, which is very different from other products that are out there on the market. This takes it to a whole other level.
1: Every product, including the apps that- that accompanies CGMs um, and every other product out there basically shows you your current glucose level. Right. And, um, and so some of them come with a nutritionist and some of them give you a score, a metabolic score, which we actually, uh, we think a metabolic score is way more complicated than just your glucose level. So mm-hmm. we don't, we don't, we don't do that. Um, so every other product out there is basically tell you what is. Mm-hmm. What the AI does is tells you what it can be, like meaning what it would be if you were to do certain things. So what you can do with AI that you cannot do with without AI is like something like it's called counterfactual. So you can do counterfactuals where you can say, okay, now you ate a um, a cheeseburger. What if you ate a burger with no cheese? What if you ate a turkey burger? what if you ate burger with fries? What if you ate burger, fries, and a shake? Now you took out the shake. What if you ate half of the burger? What if you had the burger without buns? Like, you can compare these things Mm -hmm. uh, without actually eating all these scenarios. You can uh, also do things like, here's your burger and 10-minute walk. What would have happened if you had walked 25 minutes? What kind of curve would you have had? Or- Here's your burger without a walk. Here's your burger with a walk. Um so these are the things that AI can do that um you know counterfactuals that that the regular show and tell cannot do.
0: I want to know why everyone needs to be part of January AI. Why is it so important? that we're looking at our glucose as one of the things that we do every day.
1: The number one reason why I think everyone needs to throw on a CGM and get onto January AI is that it is a fantastic experiential educational tool. You can actually experiment your way to what works for you and what doesn't work for you. It gets you away from generic nutritionists or life coach kind of suggestions, eat oatmeal for your cholesterol. Don't eat oatmeal for your cholesterol. You can now experiment and say, if I had oatmeal and put a bunch of brown sugar and dried fruit on it, what would happen? What if I put, don't put those things on and put not butter on it. And I put like some blueberries on the side, what would happen? So it is a very, very outstanding experiential tool because a lot of times right now, People do a diagnostic and they tell you something. You go to,
0: right?
1: Let's say Zoe, and you do Zoe for six months, and says, "Here are your ten great foods." You do Inside Tracker, which is a great product. They'll tell you, "Here are your superfoods." Okay, great. But how will I live day to day? Like I'm at Starbucks right now. What should I do? Like, what's my decision at Starbucks? Right. And January is answers that question. You're standing in Starbucks, and you want to know, should I eat this or not? And I think you want to know, you know, I've been having this almond croissant every day with my coffee. Should I continue to have this almond croissant? You can look up um, how you're going to react to the half of almond croissant and maybe one hard boiled egg or maybe a different almond. If almonds is what you want, maybe you want to have a different almond pastry or something less. So I think the number one reason it's experiential is about learning about yourself taking charge of your health, becoming aware, and really dialing that body.
0: Right. Um, And making smarter decisions about what you eat, right? Because you want to keep your glucose at a certain, like, everyone's glucose numbers are different for its individual, but, you know, and and your app will establish a baseline so that you have education.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So the question is, do you want to use your body as the lab or do you want to use the twin, your digital twin as a lab? Which right. one do you want to <laughs> use? And um, I know that I know that answer because I know some of the athletes and some of the optimizers, they will not put certain things to their body at all. They're like, no way, I'm not touching that. Yeah, um, which I think is really smart. Some things they just know are not good for them. But, yeah. you know, most people don't know that like white rice is almost like brown rice is almost as bad as white rice. It literally is mm-hmm. like, if you're going to eat your rice, you really want to have that white rice, just have that one spoon of rice, but rice. just maybe have less of it, yeah. but don't think it's brown rice. I'm going to have a full plate of it because it is not any better for yeah. you. Yeah. I think it's an incredible tool. Now, what are the things you can do with it? You can, uh, we talked about how you can look things up before eating them Yeah. and do that at the grocery store. And after four days of training, no sensor, walk around in the grocery store and look up, just label, just scan their barcode and just go to town and see this drink versus this drink, this cereal versus that cereal, this bread versus that bread, whatever you want. Um, You can also do that with recipes. You want to cook for your family over the weekend. You want to cook for a race, uh, you know, your training period, whatever. You want to look things. We have 2 million recipes. Uh, with your your personalized glycemic curve for you yeah and so you you can see you know I want to have pancakes I'm dying to have pancakes like yeah. <laughs> what pancakes should I have that aren't going to spike me as much yeah um so personally i rather fast a lot and have like one pancake with rice flour <laughs> yeah I think <laughs> and just it. indulge and then I'll schedule it so I can go walk right after it like immediately. I wouldn't just eat and like sit in my chair. But you can make all those mindful right. uh, food choices by doing that. But it but it does way more than just give you just increase your food IQ.
0: Right. It also
1: tells you how long you're fasting versus how long you're eating. It's a really
0: critical thing. The app kept asking me when I was going to eat breakfast. I'm like I don't eat breakfast. Yes. I'm not intentionally fasting, I should say. It's just that I start my day, I drink coffee, I do put creamer in my coffee, so I know that I'm already starting my blood sugar to move. And then I'm just like here working, you know, and then finally around 11, I'm eating and it's lunchtime though, for most people.
1: (laughs) That's great. That's really smart. Unless I have to work out. Yeah. Yeah, we have, um, we're able to tell how long you're fasting and how long you're eating, Without you actually starting a fast like you do on Zero and Simple, things like that, you don't have to actually start and end a fast. We just track it for you. where Then you can see how you want to sort of progress and increase your fasting period because we know intermittent fasting is so good for improving insulin sensitivity. Yeah. So we know that it's really, really good for you. So we try to encourage fasting. The other thing we do is we track your last meal sleep gap. So track how long between your last meal and sleep. Like last night um, I was in San Francisco for JP Morgan and I ate dinner actually at five oh in between things, between two meetings. I, um, I ate at five and I slept at nine 40. So wow. I actually had four hours. So by the time I finished my meal it was about five 40. So I had about four hours. So that was great. You can sleep. Well, your resting heart rate comes down earlier in the night But it's a number that a lot of people are interested in right now. They're interested in sleep. So we give you last meal sleep gap. So we're super excited about that. That's great. We also, we also tell you how much fiber you're eating, which is fiber is critical for keeping your blood sugar balanced. Yeah. Um, So we tell you how much fiber is in your system and how much you in your diet and how much more you need to have. And we encourage you to have more fiber we also restrict your calories so we figure out how many calories you can have based on how active you are so if you're not very active uh, you don't get to eat a lot of calories so we dynamically change that number and so we encourage people to eat within within their means their means being the, the amount of activity that they are that they are affording themselves so calorie restriction intermittent fasting fiber tracking and then Tracking of your movement before and after meals to let you know that you are moving after meals. So we encourage you to move after after eating, and of course, helping you find your spiking foods and hack or or hack or eliminate them. Either change their por- proportion, change their ingredients, somehow make sure that you are not on a routine basis eating foods that are spiking your blood sugar. So how does fiber help? So fiber makes you feel full. And so you don't want to eat as much food. That's one of the things that it does. Fiber, uh, essentially the mechanism of fiber helping your blood sugar is through creation of short chain fatty acids that sort of help produce GLP-1 and PYY. And these are essentially helping you feel satiated and full and not feel like you want to eat more. And so that's one of the things that fiber does. And they've done great studies. There's some studies out of China where they have fed uh, mice, for example. They fed them uh, a uh, diabetes-specific diet. Mm -hmm. And then they fed them a diet, a very high-fiber diet, yeah. and people and they've done much better in terms of their blood sugar with the with the strong you know but the high fiber diet
0: and you're talking about soluble fiber mhm yeah just jumping in here to give a shout out to today's sponsors inside tracker inside tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood dna and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out it transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed nutrition recommendations you need to optimize your health. Get 20% off today at insidetracker.com slash on the move. So what are some examples of soluble fiber?
1: Well, the, I mean, we, we think of them as like, I mean, generally it's so funny because I'm, I'm thinking almost now as in a scientific way, you know, like how, what we do in the lab, but just generally your soluble fiber are like, you know, your fruits and vegetables, your, or, you know, your grains and legumes and things like that. Of course, a lot of people that are interested in blood sugar, they're like no legumes, no, no grains, you know, eat no grains whatsoever. Um, I myself eat a little bit of grains. I don't eat a lot of grains, but I have to tell you, I was eating um, quinoa for a couple of years, pretty much routinely um, as my lunch. And I realized it was very high, high carb and I reduced the amount. So I still eat it, but just not as much as I was eating it before, but fruits, vegetables, whole grains, all of these are, uh, you know, soluble fibers, but and,
0: and then also Eden's, which is your other product, not to oh, yeah. go in a totally different direction, but you do, it's great for that as well. Absolutely, so
1: so Eden's, yes, so Eden's was developed, so basically for as many years as we've been working on the AI, we've been working on the supplement. So we started from early brainstormings and research, um, you know, getting a lab, setting up a wet lab, setting up our own proprietary assays, we're innovators. We yeah. we make things from scratch. We don't, we are, you know, we are pioneers. We're proud, proud inventors. So we took on study of prebiotics in a way that had never done, was done before. We took a very pharmaceutical approach to it. We developed our own assays. We put these, you know, we looked at many, 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 many fibers, you know, thousands down to hundreds, down to tens to come up with the five that is in Eden's and we put them, you know, through our own tests and our own, our own, our own things. We then we've also added probiotics and, and polyphenols uh, to this. So, yes. So basically the problem with fiber is that people just don't get enough. So I think that's, that's the issue. So our ancestral diets, you know, ancestral, our ancestors were eating, way more fiber than we are today they are eating you know 100, 100 to 150 grams of fiber a day because they would i personally have been to Botswana and saw people pull out tubers from the ground and eat them yeah uh you know peel it and eat it i mean that's just complete fiber yeah <laughs> and the average American is probably getting less than 10 grams a day. Yeah. So
0: because it's really like percent broccoli of or something, you know, it's like how you would have to eat a lot of that all day long. And you have to too. eat a lot of that. Yeah.
1: And people who are eating a lot of packaged foods. The packaged foods are made to be delicious and go right down and make you feel good. And they're very, they're meant to be cheap and addictive. And you know, fiber, you know, it doesn't improve its taste. If they added a ton of fiber to your Cheez-Its, you probably would, would notice, but 95% of Americans are not getting enough fiber. So how do we get them to eat more fiber? Well, they, for one thing, they need to eat less packaged foods. They need to eat more whole foods and they need to cook more and eat more, you know, foods that they can track themselves so that they can see, okay, I'm eating this now and I'm, you know, and tracking their fiber is critically important. And also to the extent that they cannot meet their, you know, for women, it's recommended 21, 25 grams of fiber a day. Mm -hmm. And for men, 30 to 38 grams of fiber a day. So to the extent that people are not getting that much fiber, uh, they need to supplement. And so, I personally eat a very high-fiber diet, and I take Eden's. I've been taking Eden's for three years, two, two years. I've been taking some form of fibers for five years since I started my work, and I have yet to get COVID. I still have not gotten COVID, and I don't get sick. The sickest I've gotten recently, I had a um, gastroenteritis for 24 hours. Yeah, after I went to the health conference in Vegas, I came back with that, um, and that was a very unpleasant Twenty four hours, but wow. um, but I don't normally don't get don't get sick. That's great. So yeah, do you it's take really vitamin D also, or do you? I do. You do right? I do.
0: Yeah, so I think Eden's is great because I've added it to my daily routine, and I feel like you know I'm I do eat really healthy, but I definitely don't think I get enough fiber in the day, and I also love that it has polyphenols and you know, some of the pre and probiotics. So in this day and age, we're sort of all used to doing these types of things. For me, it's much easier to drink it than to take pills. I just, that's much easier. Yeah. I
1: totally agree. I couldn't agree with you more. I think powders are so much easier than pills. I think there's fatigue out there. I can't take any more pills than I'm already taking. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate just throwing, I actually Throw in a couple of other things into my water. Um, I throw in, uh, I, I had an acupuncturist a couple of years ago and he gave me a uh, liver detox and a uh, kidney detox. It's these, you know, Chinese medicine, yeah. these kind of powders. So you put a tiny bit. So I put Eden's and I put a little bit of the liver detox and a little bit of the other one and water, drink it. Half an hour later, you can eat and you know, it's great. And usually you're you're full. I mean, it's if you're fasting, it's a great way to to keep fasting because you feel full. But um, yeah, I think I'm super excited about Eden's. We're getting really, really good marks. Um, People love the flavor. Yeah. It's it's really easy to drink. I mean, all the years of work that's gone into it's um, it, it, it pays off. We're very happy and it's doing very well.
0: And you started both of these companies based on your personal experience of needing these kinds of products. But there is a major, major problem in the world when it comes to metabolic health. Can you give us an overview of the metabolic health crisis and what's happening with diabetes in the general population?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So basically, in the United States, one out of 10 people has diabetes. One out of three people has prediabetes. Some large number of people with prediabetes will end up with diabetes, something like close to 70%. So we have to, unless it's reversed. Um, And the current method of reversal is weight loss, uh, which we discussed earlier, something that people really struggle to do. So what happens is, so currently, 96 million people have prediabetes, and 90% of them don't even know it. So, and there are 37 and a half million people that are believed to have diabetes, type diabetes. 22% of those people are undiagnosed right now. So if you think about people that are walking around with diabetes and don't even know it, and you think about what COVID did, where people with underlying conditions, many of them lost their lives, and they didn't know that. It's like just not knowing. And you're walking around with this underlying condition, this, this chronic condition that you didn't even know about. And, you know, a pandemic takes you out. Yeah. And that's really sad. So we really have a screening problem in the United States, where where we we, started this conversation. Yes. Yes. (laughs) We only screen people if they're over 40, if they're obese and why are we doing that? Why are we why are we screening children? Why aren't we screening everyone? Why isn't everyone as part of their annual checkup getting screened for metabolic health? That's really 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 concerning. So, half of the adult US population has diabetes or prediabetes. I mean, that's crazy. And these numbers also hold globally. So, in India, like 100 million people have diabetes. They In China, almost 400 million people are believed to have prediabetes. By 2045, 800 million people are going to have diabetes. And imagine three times that, prediabetes. So imagine 800 million with diabetes, another 2.4 billion people with diabetes. So you have 3.2 billion people out of, I don't know, 8 or 9 billion people that are going to have diabetes or prediabetes. So it is really a global problem and obesity is rising in every country. And so we really have a problem. So what happens if you have excess blood sugar? You said, what happens to you if yeah, there's if too much?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you are spiking. So basically the way your body's supposed to work is you work out, you do something or you're thinking you're, you, you need glucose to You need right. essentially energy for your body. And or you eat something, you, you give it some energy. You're supposed to have enough insulin to essentially come up and meet this glucose. Insulin is the mechanism, it's a hormone, that lets your cells open up and take up the glucose. If you don't have enough insulin, if you don't produce it, like a person with type 1 diabetes, or a person with type 2 who was producing it at some point, but either is producing it too slowly or not in adequate amounts because they just aren't or because their pancreas is now damaged and it just can't produce insulin at adequate amounts. You have this excessive insulin and glucose sitting in your bloodstream. And when you have that, it can, you know, when you have basically extra blood sugar sitting around it can cause multiple organ damage so for example you can have problems with your eyesight you can end up with diabetic nephropathy which is like kidney disease you can end up with nerve damage you can end up with uh, plaque in your heart and end up with uh, heart disease so you can end up essentially with nerve damage uh kidney disease or heart disease those are the three and when you end up with nerve damage you may lose your eyesight basically Uh, it's one of the consequences so when you have high blood sugar you injure your nerves throughout your body so that's like you damage nerves in your legs and feet that's what leads to foot ulcers and potential amputations that's kind of what happens In for kidneys, uh, diabetic, uh, diabetes, kidney disease basically is the number one reason of kidney failures. Mm -hmm. Almost a third of people with diabetes develop uh, nephropathy, unfortunately. And then, you know, high blood pressure increases kind of if you have high blood pressure as well, it increases the the force of blood in your arteries and can, you know, essentially damage artery walls. Right. So if you have usually if people have metabolic syndrome, which is, you know, those five, you know, cholesterol conditions, high blood sugar, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, mm-hmm. high BMI, and high waist to hip ratio. If you have three of these five, you have metabolic syndrome. If you have metabolic syndrome, it can lead to diabetes or heart disease. If you have those, it can lead to the other diseases that I just mentioned, like nerve damage, like your kidney disease, etc. So unfortunately, it's not like, oh, I'll just get diabetes. I'll just manage that by eating. No, unfortunately, if you don't manage that well, it leads to other diseases. Yeah. And also some of the drugs are at fault here because statins increase your chances of diabetes, for example. So you're kind of
0: and they're giving for people who have high up. cholesterol
1: statins typically yes so exactly so you try to solve one thing you break another thing yeah so what you really want to do is you don't want to go you don't want to enter this zone where you're going to have these comorbidities yeah uh these various diseases and it can start as simply with dysregulation of your blood glucose yeah so you don't want you know, that's one of the things that can cause um all of, you know, a lot of damage in, in your body, by no means, you should try to keep your blood glucose flat. That's one of the mis- misunderstandings that, oh, I should just have like, one line blood sugar, not at all, not at all. Metabolically, if you're metabolically healthy, it means that you can go from fast to fed very efficiently, mm-hmm. that you're, your body can actually have high glucose and then deal with that high glucose and your glucose drops very rapidly.
0: Similarly to like your heart rate, right? Like if you do a high heart rate cardio workout and then you rest, the fluctuation and time between the two things can even out. It's good. Yeah.
1: Yes, it's good. It's good. So what you don't want to have is you don't want to have a very large area under the curve, this this glucose curve. You don't want your glucose to go up and then like not calm down, right? Which will happen if you have excessive glucose. And I have earlier days when I started the stuff I was eating five years ago. Um <laughs> my God, I always I have like some of the core things that there's this fantastic ice cream in San Francisco called By Right. And I would go there on Wednesdays and Sundays. Sometimes if I if I could pass through town on a Wednesday or a Sunday, I would go have the soft serve with whipped cream, and um, they had brownie bits. I would put brownie bits on, salted caramel, softy, plus whipped cream. And once I put my, my first few CGMs on, um, I had one of these. I took a bowl. I swear to God, I, I had a meeting with the design firm. On the way back, I was close to Buy Right, and I said to my coworkers, let's just go grab Buy Right because it's really good. So we did, and I sat in my car, and I had some of it, and I just saw... I had one fourth of it, one fourth of it. And my blood glucose went up like crazy and it would not come down. Oh
0: my God. It would not
1: come down. It was just yes. like going sideways. And I was like, oh my God, like this is clearly the wrong thing for me to have. So yeah. um, I, I
0: mean, think I had it much more after that and I've never had it since. I think that the invention of vegan ice cream for me has been the downfall of my health in the last like year because- just because it's vegan doesn't mean it's healthy, but I just, I, I am obsessed with Van Luen and <laughs> they make, well, forget about their oat. I'm like, do not, I cannot get the, I don't even know what oat milk is. It's like poison. So uh, like, but now they're doing everything with oat milk. So I'm having it a lot less. But when yes, I discovered because it, because oats is gonna spike you more.
1: The thing is, the dangerous, the dangerous thing about vegan, uh, like the, sorry, not vegan. The dangerous thing about well, vegan ice cream is that a lot of things are made with coconut. So indeed, you don't spike, but yeah. you gain fat. Just, you get it's just too too much fat. It's just like, bad, you will get... bad. Just
0: eat the regular yeah. ice cream and whatever.
1: <laughs> if yes, you can. Exactly. If you can yes i think eating what you want like i'm i'm against like somebody making me a caesar salad with yogurt dressing please don't you yeah. know Unless i would you have like an issue right
0: like then it's different but I yeah but
1: might, i'd might rather have caesar salad infrequently but have the right right yeah. you know put the egg in to the to the dressing yeah. so i'm one of those people who rather, I really manage my portions so i can yeah. have what i want or I do the extremes where I I eat really healthy multiple days, yeah, in a row, and then I'll have a cookie or yeah. I'll have a cake or I'll eat a pancake or you know I'll eat whatever I want, um, and then I'll go back to where I was. Yeah,
0: so I feel like you know you and I were at a tremendous advantage because we have access to these kinds of things, but how can we talk to the rest of the world and provide education to help people that maybe can't wear a CGM, they can't afford it, or and I know there are ways.
1: Maybe they can wear it once. I think with I think a lot of people think of CGMs as something they need to wear every month. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. Certainly not with January. If you wear it once and we built a model from you, then for you, then you can go out and look up all you know your your foods in the grocery store, at the restaurant, you know, in the menus. I think the way to make everyone he- healthy, I do sincerely believe. Marnie, I think the world we're heading to is a turbulent world. We're going to have 10 billion people by 2050. We're going to have hundreds of millions of climate refugees. There's not going to be seafood in the ocean. I mean, we're going to have a lot of issues. There's going to be water. Water is going to be really, you know, fresh water is going to be in, in scarce. I think the biggest way to build wealth in this world is health. I absolutely believe that. That's what I... That's why I do what I do. That's why I wake up every day. I, I spent my life, um, de- you know, a good chunk of my life in philanthropy and actually helping nonprofits and um, and things like that. And um, when I came back to the dark side in, in 2013, <laughs> Um, yeah. You know, I wanted to do meaningful things, so I've worked on very, very meaningful projects, including starting January from 2016 on. You know, had the ideas of doing something for health and helping people. I think the best way to help people is, I think the best way is for to find ways of helping people to get to know themselves. Yeah. And I think that to encourage people to get on to their own health journey, to encourage them to like get in communication with their own body, starting to listen to their body, experiment with their body, use tools. They don't have to be very expensive. You know, a GWAS test costs $99. A CGM costs $60. Oh, it does? I didn't realize that. Okay. A CGM costs $60. A January, one month of January costs $288. It comes with one CGM, and then you can use your, you can use your app. The the idea is to to know that no one is gonna make you healthy except you. No one. Not the doctor. Not the doctor, not your spouse, not your significant other, not not anyone, not your coach, not I mean, everyone is well meaning, everyone's trying to help you, but they know a little bit about you and they have visibility and control over a tiny bit of your life. Right. Um, but you are the one who has control over your entire life. You are in the seat. You are in the power seat. And the first thing you can do is acknowledge that power and just know that you have it. No, yeah. give that agency back to yourself. Know that you are the one who's going to make all the difference in the world. Set that intention. I really do believe in you know in journaling. I do the five minute journal. It's yeah. great. Set. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Set the intention for the day. Decide you're going to vote for you. You're going to, when you're faced with these decisions, this way or that way, that you're going to pick your health.
0: I think that's amazing. And I mean, you know, we, you sort of touched on your background, which I think is also incredible. You've had a long career in technology, investing and philanthropy, and have worked with some pretty incredible companies that Everyone knows. So maybe give me a little bit about your background before you got into January AI and Edens and what you're
1: doing now. Sure. Yeah. I started uh, at a semiconductor company out of college for a short time before I went to Oracle. Uh, I spent 10 years at Oracle and was very, very proud to build that business. And the company grew, uh, you know, doubled in size uh, my first five years when I arrived there, we had just done a $26 million year, and in five years we were a billion-dollar company. And I went from pretty much uh, bottom of the totem pole to a vice president in that time frame. And I worked basically; Oracle was my life completely. Yeah. Um, and I learned so much in, in that through that, through that process. I'm still good friends with Larry Ellison. I'm still a believer in Oracle as a company. I'm really proud. Of Oracle acquiring Cerner and wanting to kind of rewrite EHRs and really make a difference in healthcare, yeah. I think Larry's really committed to healthcare um, and healthcare reform. Um, so I'm very proud of my career there and of the good that we did in terms of the company that we built and uh, the productivity we had and the all the industries that we enabled with our with our software. Um, after that, I went to a.com. Um, those were early days of personal finance. So um, this is, you know, this was just just the days that um, people were switching from reading stock quotes the back of newspapers mm-hmm. to <laughs> to seeing them on their on their personal computers. So that was really, really exciting. Um, that company got sold to Lycos. Um, and I went off to, uh, start a family office and run a family office. I've My husband and I have invested in 140 companies uh, together. We are uh, limited partners in many, many funds. And we started two foundations. One of them is the Hand Foundation, which is my family's uh, charitable foundation. We're very proud of that. Yeah. I also have two amazing kids who I homeschooled and sent, to, and sent to school. I took them to 105 countries, and I was their primary teacher. They are now out of college and um and working. So yeah, it's been an incredible journey. It is really a privilege of a lifetime yeah. to be able to work on health, to be able to work on leading edge technologies, to be able to use AI for good. Yeah. And to, you know, be able to build wealth for people through health.
0: And what are some lessons that you take from the world of your corporate career to being an entrepreneur and co-founder in this company? Well, I mean,
1: first and foremost, I was defined by my work ethic. I think anyone who knows Nushi <laughs> knows that I that I had 18 hour work days at Oracle, that um that I'm that I I work hard. I think anything that you want to do well, um, I think I think changing the world requires devotion. Uh, It's not something you can kind of do it an hour at a time. Of course, you can do one hour at a time. You could meditate, you could be a more balanced person. Of course, you can always improve the world one hour at a time. But if you you want to bring AI to health, believe me, people laughed or they just walked out. I, I interviewed so many people in 2016 and 2017 who said, uh, AI in health. They couldn't even like, they were like, there was no precedence for it. There was like big data. There was like, there was data science, but there was no, certainly no one has applied AI to like the human, the, the, the body, the, what I call personal science. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, to do things like that, that are extraordinary, that are pioneering, that are revolutionary, you need devotion, you need vision, you need devotion, you need to stick with it, you need grit. And all of, those, all of those are relevant in the corporate world as well. They are just more relevant to a small company because you are basically giving life to something that doesn't exist yeah. at all.
0: I mean, it sounds like you've kind of always been on like the cutting edge in that space where it's like I always equate these things to surfing and I've never surfed, but I feel like it's like out waiting for the wave and then you're like just on the wave and it's a struggle to, to catch it. Right. And those are the people like, it sounds like you're always at that, kind of point in your Always. career right and so you're this is like not a new journey for you right like
1: no I challenge myself I love love the impossible I love the things that you know people have told me you know write a book about parenting you should write a book about travel you should write a book about diasporas and everything else like at some point I will for sure but I think I'm continuously more interested in in the journey and discovery and figuring out what I can do and how I can have impact than to like pause and yet at least at least so far but I will I I think that that time will come you're, right now you're in the doing then you can be in
0: the teaching yes obviously you're in the health and AI business so where do you see it going like five years from now
1: like it's amazing I'm a fan
0: so oh my yes. god yeah. I
1: think we are just at the very yeah. very early in it So I think what's going to happen is, A, I think there are going to be more wearables. I think more people are going to wear more wearables. I think we're going to have continuous data, which is going to help us to, you know, pick up essentially, A, have longitudinal data on people. Once somebody is born, you know, for 15 years, you know a lot about their heart rate. So lots more wearables. I think they're going to become smaller they're going to become lighter and more ergonomic. I mean, this aura ring is four yeah. grams. So it's um it's really easy to wear. You can, you know, it's it's titanium. You can sleep with it very easily without disturbance. Um so I think definitely more wearables um, and more omics. I think people are going to mix more omics ourselves. We are excited to give people microbiome tests in the future. Yeah, uh, hopefully not too distant in the future. But we want to mix their wearables information, like microbiome tests, like a GI map test,
0: or yeah. Okay. So yes, because so we're funny. giving you yes.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so we want to give you a microbiome test before you take EDENS and yeah. then give you give you EDENS and then give it to you again to see how it changed, uh, how your microbiome changed. And then over time, with the combination of data that we're getting from January AI side, mm-hmm. plus your microbiome test, we should be able to, over time, slowly change your your EDENS formula to actually have a more personalized formula for you. Um, that's so nice. that's our goal. Our goal is to have a personalized um, Eden's N of one, which which takes a few cycles. Yeah. So I think what's going to happen is more wearables, more omics, um, definitely more 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 AI. I think we're going to see. Uh, you know, we need to crack open the healthcare system. Yeah. It's too opaque. It's way 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 too opaque. Yeah. You know, I think President Obama tried to basically made possible for people to get their EHR records. President Trump made it possible for people to get um, fees and like what it costs to get services at hospitals. I think we need more of those things. I think we need every president who comes in, look at the healthcare system and say, we need to bust this open. Yeah. This is way too, like it should run like financial services, like nothing should be hidden. It's not allowed to be hidden. There are so many rules to make sure they're not hidden. And in healthcare, there's so many rules to make sure they are hidden. They're yeah. gag orders. they gag so orders. Yeah.
0: I never heard someone say that, but it's like, so true. Like you don't even know, like as a, as oh, someone in know. Your own health, like what you are eligible for or not. You're not supposed to not.
1: publish. Yes. There are gag orders around what payers pay for certain things that providers provide. And it's just insane. So yeah. I think what we're going to see a little bit more sunlight on some of those things yeah. um, in the future. I think we're going to see uh, things we have taken for granted as like the epic EHR be challenged by people like Oracle who will rewrite Cerner and will try to make it more interoperable with other systems that okay. will try to. So I think what's going to happen is the best and the brightest will come to health and they will transform it. It will just take stay-
0: And when you're not busy working, how do you stay healthy and fit?
1: I'm taking, so I work out with a trainer. I do strength training two times a week. Awesome. I sauna, Uh, unfortunately not enough, but I sauna. I just made a commitment to my team at January that I'm going to sauna three times a week. So I think I can do that. I can do that by doing it on specific days and putting it into my schedule. So I'm going to do it Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays and make sure I stick with it. I also have been taking some tennis lessons sporadically, uh, and I intend to play tennis daily. I hope in the next six months, I hope to make it something that I can do every day. I have some amazing role models like Larry Olson, who plays tennis every single day, yeah. and I love, I'm inspired by that. I want to be able to do that. And recently, I skied for a couple of days, so I'm hoping to get back on skis this season. Still, maybe three or four mornings um, in February. I'm looking. For uh, I live in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, okay. but I can can get myself to snow. Oh my god, that's so awesome! Yes,
0: where do you live? In New York, so there's nothing in New here York. except shopping. <laughs> <laughs> I can get that's to the nearest true. store. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I feel like that though. You know, I, I always like, I've lived here my whole life. So I feel like, you know, I'm in Battery Park and it's great. Like I go out oh, on the yeah. West Side Highway and I run and I ride my bike and I do all kinds of stuff. Oh, but, that's lovely. You know, it's, it's. Yes. I'm always so jealous of people that live places where they can actually like go outside and go somewhere like on the ocean or along in the mountains or whatever. This is my, California is beautiful. It is.
1: That's for for sure. And you pay the weather tax over here. Although now we're having storms. (laughs) I know. Yes. But New York city is my absolute most favorite place on earth. Really? Do you get to come
0: here often?
1: uh not now but i i used to go to new york uh for work like one i would go on a red eye like from oracle like i would go uh, on a red eye i would be at my office on third avenue and then um work all day and just take a flight back the next day never actually sleep in a bed for years the first time i ever saw new york um was what when i went to stanford business school like for 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 my master's and i i they took us to New York City and did all it's the first time I was not in an Oracle office yeah. when I went to New York and I yeah. just love New York City um but I love New York one of my favorite addresses is Council on Foreign Relations on 68th um because you can go there for you know as they say jo- jokingly for breakfast lunch and dinner there's always something going on something phenomenal and something very intellectual and very, invigorating so okay. um i i love policy i love debate i love so um i'm very very pleased to be a member of council on foreign relations and have that home in new york when i visit
0: are you uh are you going to be speaking on any panels or doing talks
1: uh i do i was on a panel at health conference recently okay. um in 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 las vegas and i hope to do more panels we've been really heads down we were yeah. a very, non-marketing company for the first three years we were in sales completely and we've marketed very, very little um since we came back. So we're just going out with our V2 and are going to be uh marketing and getting out there more. Um, but yes, first things first, we, we thought science should come first.
0: Yeah. No, that's the most important thing. Cause if you have a good product, then the marketing is a lot better. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Um, This has been so awesome. Thank you so much for Nushin for being on the podcast. I'm so grateful.
1: Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to meet you. I love your big smile.
0: Um, (laughs) I'm always smiling. I'm like, even when I like this summer, like broke my, like broke my tooth and I, it was fine, but I was like, you know, trying not to smile. It's
1: the best (laughs) accessory there is. It's the best accessory there is. Yes, indeed. It's a pleasure to meet you.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at